It's B-Side Stories on Wellington Access Radio, 106.1 FM. I'm Laura. I'm Perrine. I'm just going to make sure your mic's on, Perrine. Stand by. Try again. Yes, I'm Perrine. Yes. Welcome back to B-Side Stories. Uh, Still shaking off a bit of rust. Um, Oh, the cobwebs have built up well and truly. (laughs) And we respect spiders, so we don't want to, like, kill them in their homes entirely. So you've got to leave some... Don't ask me where I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, nature. That yeah. is what we're going to be talking about in the second half of the show Fabulous. today. Yes. So we are very delighted to have as our first guest back on B-Side Stories, Caroline Arrowsmith from the Sustainability Trust. Kia ora, Caroline. Kia ora. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming along. I, um, yeah, great to, you know, we talked about this a couple months ago in quite a different world. Yeah, and I've been talking about this for a, what seems like a long time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, of course, we're all very well prepared and ready to hit the big issues and um, hear about what you guys are up to at the Sustainability Trust in the world of plants and cr- growing food and connecting communities and all the other things you do. So if we could just start off maybe with, um, if you could tell us what your role is at the Sustainability Trust. Yeah, sure. So I'm an educator at the Trust. Um, I've been there for just over a year, so still feel like a newbie. It's been a while. (laughs) Um, So I look after our urban agriculture programs and also work with our um, nature play school holiday program Wilder Kids. Um, and also help out with community workshops around reducing waste. So it's a pretty varied role, but um, I think everyone in the trust knows it's no secret that my real passion is the food side of things. Right. Growing. Yes. Um, and I'm just thinking, I didn't realise you did the school holiday stuff. Yeah. So how did that go at the last school holidays? Well, the last one was cancelled. Right. It was level four <laughs> lockdown. So we were we were um, holding holding on until the very last moment, and then we desperately trying to figure out a way to do it um but no it wasn't going to happen but we're raring to go for the next one so which is in about five weeks now so super excited yeah that may not be the kind of thing that translates that well to zoom meetings with all these young people you've never met before (laughs) i did write some blog posts that we shared on our website um with some cool activities connecting kids with nature during lockdown Mm. that people could do at home yeah. yeah, but it's not the same as having them there in person in the gardens. Yeah. And what's your, what's your background or how did you get into doing this kind of work? Did you get into the garden and food growing from a very young age? <laughs> no, actually. So I, when I was growing up, I was not into gardening. My dad did a lot of veggie gardening. And I remember as a teenager, he was always like, come, come help in the garden. And we kind of, we all, um, in a very teenagerish way, turned our noses up and weren't <laughs> really interested. Um, and I remember him, him putting so much effort into growing this beautiful broccoli and we wouldn't eat it because it was full of bugs, which I'm very ashamed to say. Oh. Now. <laughs> so it was a late calling, but it was probably about, uh, about nine years ago, and I guess I um, fell into it through. I start, I went woofing. Have you heard of that? Willing workers on organic farms. When you volunteer um, on farms, so I did that up in Northland at a permaculture farm, and I just sort of fell in love with the idea. And ever since then, um, I've done a lot of volunteering at different places in different countries, 
in the world, um, learning as much as I can, and done a lot of um, food growing at home and been involved in different projects. Mm. Yeah. And then just kind of turned that into something you do full time. Yeah, well, I um, in between um, volunteering overseas, I did some English teaching as well, English as a second language in Taiwan um, and at some summer camps in the UK. So that's where the education side of things come in, come into it. But I realised I was, I, I'm super stoked to have this job because I get to combine uh, my passion for sustainability and food growing and gardening with education, which I also love. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Could you tell us a little bit about the um, about the different programs that you run there? Yeah. So um, one of them is Fruit Tree Guardians. So that is a Wellington City Council funded project. It's been running for about five years now, um, and it's planted five hundred fruit trees in public places throughout Wellington. And um, so communities can come together and apply to plant fruit trees in an area, um, and then. Every year we give them out and they plant them and they become fruit tree guardians and look after them. Mm. Um, and there's an awesome map on the city council website with all of the fruit trees that you can have a look at and visit and forage from, yeah. which is pretty cool. I had a little look at that map actually. Oh, yeah. And so I went and had a little look and I was like, oh, yep. Cut an apple tree near my house and a Fijoa tree. And then I went, um, I looked at one to see if there was one near the studio and there's, I think, a couple of Fijoa trees oh, on cool. Eva Street. So yep. that's just a stone's throw from Access Radio Station awesome. on Gusney Street. Yeah. Um, and But then a few others I saw, they'd be on like church grounds and that kind of thing. Yeah. And I was wondering, are those, you know, can anyone go to these trees that are on the map at any time? Or is it kind of, there are certain protocols for it? Um, so last year we focused on, rather than on council land, we focused on communities where there'd be a community visiting all the time to look after it. Um, so we schools, churches, marae, community centres, those kinds of places. And the idea is, yes, anyone can go and interact with the tree, although it is polite to um, use general foraging etiquette, which is don't take all of it for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> the rule of thirds. So take a third for yourself, a third for the for your neighbour. Leave a third for your neighbour and leave a third for the, the animals and nature. Right. Yeah. 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 And I guess some places like Marae would have certain, you know, you'd need certain to Definitely, be welcomed yeah. before and you Some places we've and... given fruit to, like schools aren't actually on the map because they, if they don't want um, that's a question we ask them if they don't want strangers wandering into the grounds to look at the fruit trees, <laughs> like schools, <laughs> then they don't get put on the map. Yeah. 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 I got to say, I'd probably be too terrified to wander into a school anyway. And yeah. <laughs> afraid the kids would pelt fruit at me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, we don't need to go into my, um, <laughs> fear of children. Fear of children. <laughs> um... Okay, so, and then once people are guardians, they're kind of, they're expected to look after the tree over the years. Yeah, so they look after the tree um, and we we send out information on how to take care of the tree throughout the year and run workshops, sometimes on things like pruning um, and just general fruit tree care. Um, this year, we're actually, we're not planting new trees. We're focusing on the trees already planted yeah. um, and making sure the map's up to date. And I've been visiting lots of trees um, to see how they're getting oh, on. And that's a beautiful really part cool. of your job. Yeah. <laughs> I visited all the fruit trees in Karori last week. Um, so that was, that was really fun. And, but how are yeah. they doing? 
really surprisingly good. Yes. I, well, that sounds bad, but I was a little <laughs> bit worried because I'd heard reports that some of the trees, you know, people plant them and then they just leave them and they don't look after them. But um, they were really thriving. And then Karori Park on the far side, we have listed down, I think, five apple trees that have been planted through the program. And I went and there was about five fijoa as well and maybe four pear trees. Mm. And I don't know where those came from. People have just added to it. Um, so that's awesome. And uh, they're all fruiting. They're all doing really well. Yeah. And, and it's such an awesome community resource. Yeah. Have you discovered any kind of favorite new trees lately that you're willing to tell us about or anything mm. with a particularly good harvest recently? Um, with fruit trees, well, probably fajoa. It's not really a new secret, but fajoa is <laughs> the best one, isn't it? The best fruit ever. <laughs> it's the best fruit <laughs> growing, I think, and foraging from because it just produces so much. Yeah. And they're quite expensive to buy. Yeah. 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 And I think a lot of, um, I don't know, a lot of New Zealand, I grew up in the South Island, so I don't have this, but a lot of North Islanders seem to have this thing where they can't handle paying for fijoas because it's like a yeah. birthright to have free fijoas or something. I don't know if yeah. that's something you've well, actually, noticed. I'm from, this, I'm from Christchurch. That's where I grew up. And I remember we actually moved to Christchurch from the UK when I was 10. And we moved into a house that had fijoa trees lying down the driveway. And we didn't know what they were. Yeah. Because we don't have them in the UK. No. And it actually, I'm ashamed to say, it took years to figure that out. And every autumn, <laughs> they'd be dropping fijoas all over the driveway. And we'd sweep them away <laughs> into the compost because we didn't know they were edible. We'd never seen them before. <laughs> wow. We, that needs to be part of our like immigration kind of welcoming yeah. new migrants to Aotearoa. Like, oh, yeah. By the way, we've got this grapefruit. It's shaped kind of like an egg. Or <laughs> anyway, just a thought. Yeah, maybe they've reached um, rural Britain by now. Yeah, North, most... Northern England. Maybe they've gotten all the exotic fruit now, like fijoas. Not many foreigners tend to know about them. Laura, did you know about fijoas before you moved? To no New way. No way. Never heard of them. And then. Um... I absolutely loved them the minute I was introduced to them. And then and I was happened to be with a um a recent immigrant from the UK at the same time that I was trying them for the first time. He was trying them and he said, Ooh, this is gross, it tastes like medicine. But he was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> because they're amazing. Yes. That's true. <laughs> Cool. So yeah, the Fruit Tree Guardians, that sounds like a very rewarding program you guys yeah, have. Yeah. Um, and is that part of the Food is Free program? No, it's, well, it's separate. Yeah. Okay. They're both funded by council, but they're... Yeah. Okay. Well, tell us about the Food is Free program. So the Food is Free program, um, it's a fairly new one. So we're still kind of trialing out how it's working and kind of tweaking some things. Um, but essentially, we do a lot of food growing uh, workshops. Um, throughout the year and supporting people to set up gardens, however that might be. So with um, advice or um, sometimes with resources or just connecting them with projects that are going on in Wellington. Because mm. um, there's so much going on, but people don't know about it. Um, and I wonder, well, maybe this would, might, wouldn't have come through yet, but I wonder if post-lockdown you guys will experience a bit of a surge and people wanting to be more self-sufficient or people who discovered or rediscovered a love of gardening and growing yeah. things? Yeah, definitely. I think even during lockdown, 
um, a lot of people, especially when there were big queues at the supermarket and people were sort of doing the, um, not panicking most people, but it did make people more aware of food security and um, just got people thinking, I guess, about what they could do in their own lives to feel a bit more secure with their food. And of course, it's great for mental health. So throughout lockdown, you know, people were like stuck at home, thinking, what can I do? Get outside in the garden. It's super rewarding um, spending time in the sun if you're lucky to have a garden. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and I guess things like the community gardens had a bit of a pause over that time. Yeah, they were all closed because mm. um, people would be touching the same surfaces. Yeah. and. Right. You did mention, um, you know, in our ongoing correspondence during lockdown, <laughs> you did mention a project that KaiCycle was starting that had, I think, started before lockdown, yeah. but been given a bit of momentum during lockdown. Can you just it was, tell us? It was kind of in response to lockdown, although it was um, kind of made before we were moving to level four, you know, that happened very suddenly. It was, I think, the week before when they didn't know quite how strict the restrictions were going to be on swapping resources and things. Um, but that one's called Gardens for Communities. And it's really KaiCycle um, trying to create a network of people to support more food growing in Wellington, essentially. Um, they've been growing lots of seedlings and giving them away to community gardens um, and to groups growing food. And they got a bulk load of compost that they were letting to their farm in Newtown that they were letting people um, take away at cost price. So very, very cheap, high quality compost. Um, this is after we got out of level four, when they were allowed. <laughs> <laughs> Not going yeah. rogue. It had a little bit of a pause while we thought about what we were going to do Course. in level yeah. four. And then um, when we, as soon as we were allowed, they got back to, to helping people. So that one's still, um, still going now, still getting the networks of people together. And yeah, hopefully we can capture the momentum and keep going with it all. Mm. Yeah, and so you guys are kind of... Um, Friends of Kai Cycle, is that how? Yeah. Uh, Laura, maybe you were asking before about the kind of the bigger picture of. Yeah, I um I wondered because I hear about so many uh, community gardens, um, crop swap, uh, other sort of food sustainability and um, local food um, promoting organizations in Wellington. Mm -hmm. I wondered if you could um, sort of describe a picture of how you see them all fitting together and, and what your role is in that ecosystem of um, food nice. lovers in Wellington. <laughs> nice, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so there is heaps, as I said before, there's heaps going on in Wellington, but people don't know about it. So at the moment, I'm compiling a list of all the projects going on that I'll be sharing. We do have a list um, on our website. So over lockdown, we did a um, series of webinars. Uh, and four of them were on gardening, and there's one called Growing in Your Community that um, Sheldon from KaiCycle was in and a couple of others. Um, and as part of the blog post with that, I wrote a list of all the projects you can get involved in. So KaiCycle, CropSwap, um, Grow Space Wellington. Yeah, so many things going on. But yeah, I think there is so much potential to link these things together, which is what Grow Space Wellington are really into as well. Um, and we're looking at actually having an event soon at Sustainability Trust where we can invite these people along um, from these projects um, to talk about them. And then anyone who's interested can come along and sign up to them. So yeah, connecting, there's the community garden network um, and 
yeah, the food is free, Fruit Tree Guardians, um, Kai Cycle, Grow Space and I have been collaborating. I realized um, looking in my diary that actually for about a year now we've been meeting fortnightly or weekly <laughs> um, to try to connect to these projects and collaborate on different projects. Um, and we've got a new one coming up this year on community compost hubs that's in the pipelines. So that's super exciting. So yeah, when we're meeting them, we're constantly coming up with new ideas together. Um, yeah, trying to make the connections happen. Mm. Can you tell us about yeah. the community compost hubs? Yeah, so that's um, another one funded by the city council. So we got seed granted seed funding at the end of last year to set up three trial compost hubs um, in different locations in Wellington. It's been halted a little bit by lockdown, but we're getting back into the swing of things now. And there'll be um, a, some compost bins set up where there'll be a drop-off point for the local area around them, between 50 and 100 households can drop off their food waste. And then the compost that is made will be given back to the community to local gardening projects. Yeah. That sounds like quite an ambitious project. Um, kind of, but we're starting small with just the three. Originally, Sheldon was like 100. He's <laughs> like, we want them, we want these in every suburb, basically. Yeah. We want all the waste in Wellington, food waste, staying local yeah. to rehabilitate local soils. So three is, um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's good. But um, um, yeah. Is one in my neighborhood? <laughs> What's your neighborhood? Arrow Valley. Oh, not yet. Although there is a lot of composting stuff happening in Arrow Valley. Yeah. So they're kind of doing it for themselves, which is why we um, chose other places that maybe didn't have as much happening. Neat. Yeah. Um, oh, cool. So we've got, yeah, the Community Compost Hubs and the Fruit Tree Guardians and Food is Free. And then you've been kind of pulling together a bit of all of this with your webinars. Was this your yeah. first time running webinars? Yes. <laughs> How did you find that, that, you know, what you were trying to convey... How did that work, Get it moving into that digital realm? Yeah, so I think like everyone, um, we were a bit shell-shocked by lockdown. It was a bit like, oh, gosh, because all of our things are really in person. Um, yeah. We do a lot of workshops and engagement and things. So, yeah, going into lockdown, all that was cancelled. I'm like, well, how are we going to keep ourselves busy? And then all of a sudden, we came up with a bunch of stuff and we ended up very, very busy. And the webinars, it, the whole of lockdown was basically a massive professional development it was just constant learning of new new skills and technologies so I didn't even really know what zoom was no before this no. happened <laughs> and then now you've got zoom rooms and zoom fatigue and <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep yeah. like Laura was saying before we've got some new vocabulary we're all yeah <laughs> yeah conversant in. so the webinars were a really cool way of reaching a different audience though I think um, and it was another awesome opportunity to collaborate with different people and invite them to be in the webinars yeah yeah. Um, and so well, my next question was going to be, you know, did you find yourself like learning and adapting over the lockdown? It sounds like you definitely yeah. did in terms of the way you do things. Mm -hmm. But also, what about like your kind of focus or did any of that side of it change? Um, I think what well, everyone has been thinking a lot about food security, basically, and how can we really harness the energy around it at the moment and go forward with it and what it got, I guess it got us thinking more deeply about our programs and what do we actually want to achieve um having that break to think 
we're always so busy having that time to actually stop and think um what long term do we want to do yeah with this yeah yeah um all right so what's your vision for the post lockdown world <laughs> If you're oh, ready to share gosh. it with the, <laughs> the food the... one, or <laughs> <laughs> let's start with that. Yeah. Well, I, well, you know, we do on community compost hubs in every every neighbourhood. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hundred pubs. Yeah, and I want to see lots of lawns turned into veggie gardens. I think lawns are lawns are a waste of resources. So, I mean, some lawns are good. You want to have somewhere for kids to run around, but you know, there's a lot of. Um, People say there's not much space in Wellington, but there is a lot of space. You can grow a lot of food in a small amount of space. Um, so yeah, turning turning lawns into gardens, I think would be would be awesome. Um, and rooftop gardening, green roofs in the city, that's something that some people are looking into at the moment, um, hoping to get it off the ground. So that could be amazing. So we just, I just want to see food grown in every every available space. Really, mm. if there were. Um... A really uh, successful um, movement of what do, what do I call it? Local food in Wellington. Would I still have to like buy food at the grocery store, or what? What's the vision of my my experience as a as a person who usually buys all their produce? How's my life going to be different? Oh well, um, you're not going to be getting all your food from Wellington, I'd say, but your fresh local produce. Um, I don't think it's going to be enough for everyone in Wellington City, but I think certainly we can do a lot better than we are at the moment. And I think working on getting that produce to the people who really need it, who maybe can't afford to buy it at the stores is a real priority. So the distribution of it um, and making sure that that is prioritized awesome. is really important. Yeah. Mm. And I had a question about those webinars you've run. Uh, do any of them still exist in the yes. digital world and, and a way that people can access them? Yep. So they're all on our website, um, sustaintrust.org.nz. Um, and there's four on food growing. And then there is another two on um, warm, dry homes. So um, giving advice on that and what Sustainability Trust offers. And then there is another two on waste minimization that were very popular. Mm. And yeah. you did one, or maybe was that a combo? You did a littlest, littlest lunches yes. <laughs> and food waste one. Yeah. So kind of bringing together. Yeah, bringing those together. Topics. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So in terms of, yeah, that vision of, um, you know, way more food being grown in Wellington, any um, kind of top crops that people should be thinking about if they're not already thinking about it? You know, you mentioned feijoa trees, fruiting very well, but what yeah. are some other kind of good ones to start with? I would always say leafy greens because leafy greens are one of those ones where they're so easy to grow, um, but they're very expensive and they are often wrapped in plastic um, because they don't last very long. Um, so they need to be refrigerated. And so that, that's why you get the price of them because of the freight. Um, so growing your own is actually will have immediate benefits in terms of reducing your costs. Mm -hmm. um, and it's super easy. Um, reducing your waste and your health, like super fresh. You've just picked it and then you get to eat it. And um, yeah, so things like spinach, silver beet, chard, lettuce, um, all those things. 
I think the biggest bang for your buck and you don't have to, to harvest the whole head to eat it you can just pick off a few leaves and it'll just keep growing and keep giving for months and months yeah any top tips to share about keeping the slugs away from those <laughs> <laughs> I call it snail patrol <laughs> yes. which is going out once it's dark about nine nine ten o'clock or you know five o'clock if you're in Wellington at the moment yeah um, with your head torch and collecting them all that's the best way that I've found um, to really keep on top what? of them what happens to the snails I mean it's up to up to you what you want to do with them <laughs> If you, I used to when I lived in Melbourne, and I it wasn't. Um, I was maybe first starting out on gardening, and um, so and I was more of a softy on snails. I used to collect a big a bucket of them, and then I wouldn't want to. You know, you have a bucket of snails, and you don't want to. It seems a bit merciless to just kill them all. So <laughs> I would walk down down the street and leave the bucket in an area where there wasn't any gardens nearby, <laughs> and then come back and collect it in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's escargot for dinner? The yes, <laughs> something like that, yeah. Okay, let's not. A bit, a bit less. I'm, um, a, I'm a squisher. I squish them. Okay. Yeah, yeah. If we have hundreds, it just feels a little bit. It's a bit much. It's a lot. Yeah. I think yeah. that's a wasted food resource right there. As a vegetarian, I would like to say that <laughs> Parine should be eating these snails if you're going to be killing them. I, I did, <laughs> yeah. I someone, uh, my flatmate was saying the other day that, because I was like, well, it has to be a certain kind of snail to be edible. And he said, apparently you can get garden snails here. And if you put them like in an enclosure and just feed them carrot, it will get the toxins out of them and then you can eat them. I was like, that's horrifying but i don't know if it's true that's what i okay. said it's an experiment right. so, okay the people of wellington do not listen to my <laughs> my recommendation yeah, of, don't, yeah. um, don't eating do that. them i'm sure it's not. anyway <laughs> all right i guess it is time for us to wrap up so just for people who are listening to the show today and are thinking yes got to get involved got to get connected to the different programs happening got to upskill Got to learn what to do with snails. Yep. <laughs> um, uh, what's coming up or what? where can they come to to find out more? Yeah, sure. So we're still, um, we don't have our workshops like cemented in person at the moment because, you know, we've just got back from lockdown and we've just found out we can do them in person again. Yay. Yay. So um, look out for them on our events page at sustaintrust.org.nz. Um, you can also sign up for our newsletter for Fruit Tree Guardians and Food is Free and there are forms there to get in touch with us yeah and listen back to those webinars too yes yep cool all right thank you so much for coming on caroline okay, and telling welcome. us all about your um you know plantful life yeah thanks for having me <laughs> neat thanks team uh that's b-side stories b-side stories for today Thanks for listening. I'm going to uh, send you out with a song from Lost Bird, a Wellington band who's been uh, recording songs from their from their house for the past few days. So. Excellent. Here they are. Now I ease the light, now I'm the light, now I ease the light.